In the beginning, there was darkness. A void waiting to be filled with the echoes of destiny. From the depths of time, legends emerged. Heroes forged in the fires of adversity, their stories etched in the fabric of eternity. Through the sands of ancient deserts, across the vast expanse of galaxies, and amidst the tumultuous waves of the ocean, their journeys began. But amidst the chaos, there arose a whisper, a call to action, a beacon of hope. Now, as the world holds its breath, a new tale unfolds, a story of courage, of triumph against all odds. Join us as we delve into the depths of imagination, as we embark on a journey beyond the realms of possibility. For in every tale lies a lesson, in every legend a truth waiting to be discovered. This is not just a podcast. This is an odyssey, a quest for knowledge, a quest for inspiration, a quest for the very essence of what it means to be human. Welcome, dear listeners, to a world of infinite possibilities. Welcome, dear listeners, to the True Life Podcast. Today we live in a world of exhaustion, and it's it's defined by terms like burnout or depression or anxiety, and the remedies for that seem to be ways, like the magic word is called healing. I want to heal all these people, and regardless of it's like an SSRI or it's a, re- a retreat to South America or something, <laughs> it is... It is this term that really means not healing, but like self-optimization. And this self-optimization is not something that is really meant for you, the individual, to self-optimize. When we use the term healing, and and I'm using it in the context that that I spoke about a second ago, when it seems to me the term healing is more of a word that's interchangeable for therapeutically eliminating any sort of problems with performance. And that that performance is not meant for you as the individual. It's meant for the system, the system in which we live. And that it's kind of it's kind of in, like in direct conflict with actually healing the person. The same way that antidepressants don't heal the person They just make them available to live and be productive in the system. So too is the word healing, not really healing anybody. It's killing people. That's what I mean. (laughs) Oh, I think you're muted. Sorry. The dogs were going crazy and I muted and I forgot. But um, thank you for explaining that. I think uh, it made it clear for me and... uh... I agree with you on that because uh, one of the major things of conventional therapy that I have uh, sorted out or my partner has sorted out has always been driven towards productive, 
productivity right instead of, uh, it's just uh, they use work as a coping mechanism instead of a particular drug let's say i'm going there for uh, problems related to my weed consumption they don't give you an actual solution of why it's happening in the first place rather oh um, you know keep your weed away take a sheet of paper put on the plans for you want to play guitar write down the plan say to 8:30 i'm going to play guitar even if you're not going to do it sit with it and then 8:30 to 9 and then you know you have the schedule for the day and make that list and uh, you know follow that for a week it's going to be good and when i saw the list it seemed much more empty than <laughs> when i was on weed right and so yeah. i was seeing what was happening here is uh, there is no individual uh, there is no focus on the individual per se mm. right now we have models to help and these models again everything is it's a feedback loop system right it's derived right. from a particular system and it goes back into the system and there is going to be that sort of thing happening so if productivity is our generation curse at least my uh, dad's generation i feel like were in a very tough situation and for them they didn't have any other uh, life besides being productive at work making money right and i understand the point of view for them that you know if you want to talk about in the spiritual terms it would be karma yoga if you are able to integrate that work and be with it and that could be used for liberation right but things are changing right now there are a lot of people asking questions of um, why we need to do it right we are, we are producing something so you you might be working in a place i might be working in a place and we are producing certain things and rather than it's just a way to make money or keep me engaged or make life going right uh, why why should we do that right that why is going to help a lot towards the healing of the individual but the question why is missing in mainstream healing so i feel like that leads to how you want to describe as killing because if you're not going to ask why you you're assuming something then because you have to scramble out all the plans that were given to you which means you have to start fresh but we cannot start fresh it's too difficult and then a therapist is going to spend time with one client for so long then he cannot sustain himself because we are again we are caught up in these things and uh when you told healing is killing on a physical sense i saw like for example you have a virus right that's you know inside your body let's term it covid and then right now you take some vaccination or some medicine let's say that is going to heal you obviously it's going to kill the virus right so the question is again comes who is it that happening to so when we go to therapy or is the therapy is actually for me or the collective society as such same with antidepressant like again as i say every time i i feel i sh- i haven't had the opportunity to interact with antidepressants so i really don't know i have a superficial knowledge from what people say and most of them is what they have taken and they have shifted to let's say psychedelics or some other ways which are actually going to the root of the problem and all they say is uh, yeah antidepressants just kept me alive barely alive right it takes away maybe the suicidal thoughts that it's not as bad as i've been describing it so maybe i don't need to i can give this a chance but the feeling of i can give this a chance it doesn't get better you just you take pill every day and i feel like people just are like yeah i can give this a chance you know um yeah yeah that's really well said and i you, you brought up a lot of key points that i kind of want to 
dig into a little bit. The first is this idea of production as exploitation. You know, if we look back at slavery, why did we have slaves? We exploited them. We just brought in people that could do the work that no one wanted to do for free. And then we'll make some money off of it. And you can apply the same mechanism for action, maybe not the exact same. But when you look at the workforce we have today, especially people without unions, you know, you see this exploitation of people. When, when I look at some of the Foxconn buildings and they have nets around them because people like to jump off and, you know, there's a lot of problems with quote unquote production. So I see it as self-exploitation. I'm wondering, do you see the idea of production as exploitation? It's wonderful. You brought in two points that, again, that is pretty much present in my life, right? Uh, I, I've been working in a company right now which uh, produces um, aluminum parts, right? And mm -hmm. now the other part that was important was the presence of union, mm -hmm. right? This were, these two were crucial because I, I don't feel like I'm squeezed out of my thing. You know, um, it seems unfair because when you see people getting squeezed out and you say, okay, at least I'm not right, being right. exploited, right? So there is a bit of a uh, fight there to get me to say this statement. But yeah, I don't feel exploited because of the presence of union, because the jobs that I've been searching, right, uh, along the same lines, let's say a machine operator or stuff, and without a union, like back in Ontario, the job rate were almost half the pay or $10 less than what they're paying with the union, right? Yeah. And it's barely minimum wage. They give you this idea of minimum wage of, uh, and it was what, $14.5 or $15 in Ontario. And um, they say we provide more than minimum wage and it's, it's $17, right? And if you see the lack of union leads to this. And, and they in turn explain this exploitation by saying that, you're replaceable. That's that's the only thing. As much as it seems that you're replaceable, you can, you can be exploited. That's how at least the system as itself come, come out to be. And in some way, it is going to work like that. You cannot change the core of the structure because if no one is... come, Unlike the periods of slavery or... Uh, heavily um, caste-based system. Caste-based system is, again, a form of slavery. So jobs that uh, you don't want to essentially do, you say, allocate a separate caste or a slave to get them to do. And, uh, I mean, if you don't have to pay for it, well and good. Because when I take my garbage out, I'm not making money. So why should I pay you? So I'm going to create a slave who's going to do it for free, right? And maybe I'll, I'll give some food if I can and so on. But coming back to... Uh, what you even mentioned about neoliberalism and stuff, right? The free market, how it is seen in a positive side. It's not actually entirely positive, yet it is much better than how it was before. In the sense that as an individual, you get a choice. You can quit, right? You, no one is forcing you. No one is, at least let's say in Western countries, like I, no one compelled me to work in a company that paid me um, half of what, uh, what it's paying me right now. So I did it out of choice right but it's also the part that yes i am getting exploited but no one is exploiting me because i i also participate in this i can withdraw because the system is that way someone else is who is in a much bad condition than me who needs barely anything who's not even making money for them this is going to be golden 
and that 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 desire for that other person is being exploited here i wouldn't even call it desire because it is sometimes basic necessity to provide you know survival to do the actual work which which can we can talk later but yeah <laughs> i love it i i'm curious like it seems to me though do you really have a choice isn't it kind of the illusion of choice like you could work at this place or you could work at that place but you got to go work at one of these places like I guess on some level you could start your own business and become a billionaire, but the chances of that actually happening, like I think that that is one of the great lies that's perpetrated upon people is this idea that, you know, if you you have the same opportunity of you have the same opportunities, like that's complete bullshit to me, and it seems to me that this is a layer that we just layer on top for everybody to believe like listen you could you could be president or you could run the fed one day it doesn't matter if your parents got divorced it doesn't matter all that matters is that you have like that like that's the beginning of the exploitation at such a young age that allows people to believe that they actually have a choice what do you think about that it's a great way to put it and yeah one of the most uh brainwashing things that is at least happening right now every other post that i keep seeing maybe it's tailor made for me but it's this <laughs> that you should you should have a passive income or everyone should be an entrepreneur or everyone should be you know it just doesn't work that way you know i saw this um, article and this is one of the what popular newspapers in canada i mean i have stopped reading news once in a while the titles are quite intriguing right so i was looking and it says how this guy uh uses his costco membership to make 3000 4000 profits and you know he has this uh, 30 to 40000 subscribers on youtube and his plan he said i have a very simple technique and i agree with it it's a very simple technique and it is yeah you just have a costco membership and you have a amazon reseller membership which is 60 plus 40 100 and you buy all these uh, cheap products and then sell it market up by 50% or for something and put it on amazon and he makes 4000 a day right wow first of all right there are so many perceptions to that first of all i wouldn't do that because of my own mor- morality issues but second of all when you when you it's because of this multiplicity of 8 billion people we are not able to see who we are really stamping you know in a room of five people when we apply the theory of uh, capitalism or you want to whatever you want to call even the real estate that's happening when you really see in a group of five people right five people is the total world and you see person 1 buys real estate person 2 is not able to buy because he doesn't have so he rents it up right to him and uh, what is he doing is that he gets a mortgage the person 1 gets a mortgage and he raises the price and gives to person 2 he makes the profit why is he making the profit because there is no reason to there is no reason to essentially but this is much more clearer with a lesser number of people the exploitations that happening but on a global front these get masked because of just just the colliding of so much of uh, interactions right the interdynamics masks all these terrible terrible things that we do in the name of uh, it's it's fine right and to come to your question that if do we really have a choice that takes me back to my 5 grams episode 5 grams shroom strip right nice and it it always um psychedelic takes me there the choice comes at the primal level right you you're saying we should go to either this job or that job but 
go one level before that again we are working on the assumption that i need to have a roof i need to be able to provide for my family i need to do so and so and so i need to even sustain myself for tomorrow so what if my goal is to die tonight right then i can let go of all these and truly there is freedom in that so i i can make a choice not to do anything again there is a lot of uh, um problems directly facing the fear of death right but the point is not to abandon everything and go but to realize there is a truer choice at the core of our being that no one is in compulsion to do anything we can namesake have bondages things that we do plans that we have and we are acting on fear of death but at the deeper level if we understand that we can stop this at any single point like i can stop doing this i can stop this podcast i can say fuck off i can go to whatever i want do whatever i want and after that whatever happens it happens in a sense of uh, gratitude you're just mm-hmm. grateful it's happening because i am i am dead that's that's a, that's what i think uh, it also at the topic of discussion went uh, last time after the shrooms talking to my parents about that right it's just that part where when we truly accept that i'm okay to die right after that whatever happens right i could have died because this this is what happened in my life 3 years back where you know we took this a uh, small uh, cylinder a uh, small stove top right uh, it's just this bit and uh, we took it to the camping site and out of five of us four of us knew how we didn't know we didn't know how to use it the one person who knew was 15 meters away right we didn't fit the stove top properly and the gas was leaking and we thought it was normal and we were lighting 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 fortunately the lighter didn't work <laughs> and then he came running he saw what it was i'm i'm happy that he had the courage to come because he said do not do that and he, <laughs> you know took it in that moment there was this feeling that what if we actually died like why can't we start taking and it's easier said than done of course because there is so much righteousness going on every single day so but at least having that shift in perspective to acknowledge that can give the freedom so from that maybe we can have the choice maybe i want to do the job or maybe i don't and then the feeling of exploitations might be perceived in a different way maybe it will be seen as healthy compromise right now I, that's how i see it i work monday to thursday and then friday to sunday i'm good like i there were a lot of days after my psychedelic trip i didn't want to work yeah. i i didn't and i also had the idea that i didn't want to depend on so the only way was for me to go and uh, there are there are vipassana centers right uh, where you can go and volunteer and they'll have you you serve them you don't need anything you don't need to take anything but i still had preferences in my life that's the work that i got to do with myself i still liked putting on my headphones and listening to pink floyd or you know having the milkshake once in a while or this popeyes chicken once in a while and all these sorts of things made me not just completely give this lifestyle and go therefore i knew i didn't want to work yet i wanted to provide for myself to do the work to you know let go of this thing and now i have come to a balance of these things where i would see it as a lt sacrifice rather than you know being exploited or i'm doing it out of choice right like i see it that way yeah that's well put and i i i admire so much of what you said in there it seems to me that like i enjoy 
providing value for myself and my family. And I enjoy contributing to the community. What I don't enjoy is people taking money out of my check before I even get it. What I don't enjoy is people taking that money and saying, we're going to do whatever we want with it. What I don't enjoy is at the end of the year when the IRS audits me and they're like, hey, dummy, you didn't pay enough money. You know, and it's like, okay, wait a minute. Why, why am I giving you guys money again? Doesn't it say somewhere in this document that I'm not even sure, but first off, I'm not even sure if what you're claiming is in that document means the same thing. But I am pretty sure that at least I should have some say in where that money goes. And I'm pretty sure that today in this world, we can just do it online. Like I want this percentage to go to my roads. I want this percentage to go to this. You know, I, I think that that is where we begin. Maybe it's this introduction of money that introduces the idea of exploitation because now we have this made up medium of exchange that is, that is there. So maybe that is the foundation of the exploitation. The, re the reason I bring all this up and I think it's all relevant is that what I see happening in the world, like to your parents who didn't really, they just, they just did it. Same with my parents. Like, well, my parents kind of did it, but that, you know, you, you get up and you just go cause you didn't know. Like I see the same, I see a transformation happening and I see it happening in the world beginning in this, like things that like we've, we've lived in this idea of industrial added value and that is going away. There is no more industrial added value. And I think what we're seeing now is the, the idea of the exploitation of the mind. Okay. And, and if you just, just for a moment, think about the world, the age that we lived in of industrialization, like that part, we're moving into this new age, but the same process of exploitation is going to start happening in the mind. And that's why you see people talking about retreats. That's why you see people talking about healing. And that was the point of healing is killing is that we, it's not, if you just change, don't think about the actual words healing, just think about the strategy that was implemented in exploitation in the workforce, whether it's through taxes or whether it's through not having unions, but this exploitation of people to get them to do what you want to provide an actual tangible thing that's going away and being moved into the idea of the ephemeral, like the, just the idea we're exploiting the mind now instead of exploiting the person. What do you think about that? I'm still trying to wrap my mind around. Uh, <laughs> I know, man, me too. <laughs> <laughs> the part um, of yeah, industrialization. Yes, one of the things uh, that was definitely happening, right? Like with respect to the global economy, right? Great. A country's uh, success is based on how much the people consume. What a yeah. badness, right? It's it's. I think it's it's just it's illness. It's on some level a mental illness. And now that is being identified and sorted. And again, we will always keep falling from uh, one dominant ego to one subtler ego. That's how I feel. Collectively as such, individually as such, and having experienced where I get trapped, what am I trying to do, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I feel like that, that's just a natural step in the process. So it could be it based on how we want to see it. It could be seen as evil or it could be seen as a very healthy step as well. Mm. But I mean, uh, I've been reading about what, 
what is this part you know uh, when i talk about money i've been really uh, upset about the invention of money let's say or money being in the people's hand ever since uh, i think psychedelics it was hard for one year i think i hated money like anything then i started resolving that part within myself that again i i do have a perception that everything is neutral as such it's the human interaction that makes mm. it you know uh, same mm. same with the plant right it's either poisonous or um, you know a medicine based on how it interacts with us the same so the same plant that could be medicinous for us could be poisonous for a thing so in the plant as such is neutral how we are interacting with it makes it whatever terms we give so all the i think this song comes in money pink floyd yeah. and uh, right even it's a common saying I, that i've heard money is the root of all evil in our the love the love of money is the root of all evil the love of money i i think that's a mm-hmm. better way to put it yeah right. so that that's what i think i was saying money was the root of all evil now i think the greed for money is what is the root of all evil right, right. so that perspective changed within me so money seemed being the thing how we are interacting with money right my this this and th- that's the part when i try to get to a point my mind goes faster in a circle and comes to the same point where like i mean it is happening as it is you know like if i were there i would have done the same if i was on the side of the exploiter i would have exploited <laughs> if i'm side on the vic- of the victim yeah i would have been victimized i i'm just at the part where i just feel like i got this uh, blue pill to escape out of the matrix but <laughs> com- coming to your question um, i i would like to get one more view of that question what you yeah. said with respect to people are using uh, mind to ex- exploit the mind rather than the person yes. individual yes. aspect would you like to yeah so repeat that in a different way yes so I, i think the way i guess it could be let me think about it for a second so the same way that the exploitation of this is just my opinion i don't know this to be factored in this is how i'm thinking in my mind the same way that industrialization has exploited the working people and by working people i mean the majority of the masses if you get up like there's there's definitely different classes same as in india as the, in america we have this idea that we don't but we do so i think that the lower down you are on the socioeconomic ladder the more exploited you are and so the same way that has been done over the last 200 years with industrialization i believe we are moving into a new phase where we're going to see not just exploiting the worker like there used to be children workers hey let these kids go to work or hey sorry you lost an arm buddy but get back in there you can still work that machine you know like that is the exploitation i mean and i think money is a direct, like money is a as a point is like the hammer they use to is a tool they use to exploit but the actual exploitation of the people like people are being exploited they feel like they have to go like they feel like they don't have a choice so i think that this physical exploitation 
like having children workers or having people work 15 hours a day for five bucks an hour or having people come in from other countries to work for very low wages, like that type of exploitation. I think that is being applied and maybe it always has, but maybe now it's being applied to healing, being applied to this new world of the mind, the psyche. And I'm, I'm just, I see how that has physical like exploitation has physically hurt people in the real world. And I see this new form of exploitation is like, even though it may seem more gentle, it's just as destructive. And I, I see that with the language out in the world, like retreats, people are going on these retreats or people are going to these healing seminars for self-optimization. What they're really doing is they're exploiting their own mind. They're getting their ego to fight itself. They're, the battle is in your mind. And maybe it has always been, but the battle now more than ever is in the mind than it is in the physical reality. Yes, in that way, I think it's definitely an exploitation. <laughs> <laughs> it was very nice hearing you say that one by one. And yes, of course, it's like uh, the first time some um, medicine comes into the market and big pharma is like, this can solve your problems. And, you know, I'll, I mean, the more desperate you are, it's based on demand. I will like, re try to reduce the supply, increase the demand, increase the price and so on. Mm -hmm. If there is too much supply, I will create the demand by right. doing these things. Right. The same way, it's, it's playing that savior role. I'm going mm -hmm. to save right yes and it is not done at individual level somehow it, it it does come in a collective sense yet yes all these uh retreats right retreats are now seen as like this uh holy place of sanction what um holy place where you yeah it's a definitely it's gonna work but retreat as such is as simple as like you know when you retreat from a fight you retreat from a war right it's, yeah you it's, run away yes and in that essence, retreat is such that retreating from life as we know it. So that that retreat that we are trying to seek shouldn't be as fun because the life we as we know is based on ideas and expectations. Like when I go to meditation, I know meditation, Vipassana meditation is beautiful because I hate it. Because I go with, this, <laughs> with these ideas, right? I hate it. Who the fuck sits there 10 hours a day with their eyes closed and I cannot move? It's crazy. But I know it's valuable right and if the same thing is happening with all these oh we have this nice surrounding with this cushiony bed and so on and it, it, it's appealing you see and it, i feel like it's it's the contradiction that should be there it's all paradoxical right in that sense when you said um, money is the tool that is used to oppress that's the most interesting and funny thing about money money is also the reward that they are seeking yet money is the tool that they are using that that flaw is what creates mm. the gap, right? Rich become richer, poor right. becomes poorer, and it's it all comes from one of these things that I've been. Uh, I think ever since that status, I've been following a couple of people who are working on this. Let's say anti-capitalist idea, right? I wouldn't get myself fooled by labels, but I wanted to see what points do they have, and all the discussions that comes from. Yes, we we have forgotten to help other people without expecting anything in return that's that's the fundamental flaw of where we are at right now because we we didn't when we didn't know uh to write or to keep track of things right we didn't give something based on like hope 
hopefully you give it to me and even if he said that it was in a funnier tone right, right. then it became why not could it be serious i'm serious you got to return this in a week then it became like i'll write this down so that you don't forget yeah. and then i'll write this down and have a witness sign it and then right. now it's a detailed contract with a fine print right which you cannot read i know so that right. i can exploit you now it's the yeah. slow evolution of how it has happened so we completely forgot that the first form of help that humans were doing was help in that sense is that help without expecting anything now we have to use 18 such words put together to convey the normal meaning of help help is not a business but help is seen as a business you know retreat is um, i mean i i've i've talked to people and mostly it's it's about it's about sustaining myself in the process that's what it starts yet the funny thing is that your sustaining is based on your own comfort level so if you're going to help people from you know the lowest of economic classes and you're sitting up up top there you're going to exploit them to just satisfy your uh, comfort level right but i i have a i'm living in a house of 2200 dollars rent so if i'm going to start something a business and so on right and uh, i the first thing is going to be like oh i got to first make this to pay my rent and these these are this seems like something that i need to do in essence when i sit with myself and i ask i don't want to do that because th- this house is a comfort for myself and the person i'm helping shouldn't be paying me for this it's not his job and when we go even back that's where i get like we should be able to get ourselves to help without expecting anything written of course have you know what whatever in the times of buddha they did they would sit and meditate and yes i'm just going to get alms if you have something that i can eat do give me if not it's okay no i'm not going to sit here and curse at you and and the same way I'm, i will help you if you can right. help something in return right and so if you have that kind of a system right like if if it happens at individual level you wouldn't have non profits you wouldn't have for profits now that those are all terms of joke because everyone could operate in the sense that if everyone is eventually getting to operate on a donation based system right like help what you can right and this is also this topic i think i had a conversation with my friend and it, it's interesting to get a different perception it's because sometimes people do not uh, appreciate when it's available for free and i agree it's again it's all lack of awareness at individual level mm. if we were able to truly understand that this is valuable it is not valuable because i paid so and so price then we start using it and start you know paying respect to it rather than oh this was some um, i think the conversation with my friend was about like uh, there are so many free platforms yet those are not used as much as the platforms that are provided for 10 dollars right and that's happening because i have paid for it so i can keep track of it right and all these things but eventually if we if we go down to our root if we are able to create that time in the morning or the evening to sit with ourselves we see we don't really there are a lot of resources the world is trying to help right and if we start doing that our search for money to get other things to sustain comfort level kind of reduces and that's that's how i see at least my life going eventually if we can get there and provide service don't expect anything right it's it seems hard at the beginning because we we say things like my time is valuable why is my time valuable time is not valuable it's only valuable when there are three four competitions for you because if if, the, if there is no one who is coming to you for uh, talking 
your time is not valuable now suddenly you have 10 people you have to sort out now money becomes a criteria right hmm. and we 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 do not do it on based on luck based because uh, i mean if i can get some money and someone is giving me why not right that's the idea that we have and this i think i don't know if i mentioned when we go to lake louis uh, in this national park banff you you literally have to go around 2 kilometers if there is no parking spot you go there and if there is no parking spot they send you you don't stay for 5 seconds you don't stay for 2 seconds you don't ask them can i just wait in the corner nothing it's the same for everyone keep on moving right and if by luck it happens that a car goes and you go it's good and as much as it can get you frustrated you seem there is a equality in it it the mm-hmm. equality arises when you have equal chances of getting destroyed right in any right. aspect not not and that that's beautiful that needs to be there right but in in india one of the things that i learned growing up is uh, bribery bribery is major in india like if you Everywhere. are little bit yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think uh, i haven't outright seen it here because i haven't gotten into what it is but coming back from india everything like my passport application that goes to the um that so the police uh, station it goes to they will do a uh, security background check right they do not do it until they get 8 or 10 dollars and it's funny it's like they are not supposed to get that right but they don't move the file my file was was sitting there for two months and i had to process it and at that point it's about i mean i use this passport to do bigger things in life i wouldn't be able to go to canada without it so for me 8 dollars is i'm that's something i'm going to spend but this is how it creates a chain right and we get convinced that bribery works <laughs> like we can convince someone like that that guy doesn't have something that i have that i can use and we play this game of monopoly right like we'll exchange these things and each thing at its individual level seems so harmless right if there is no crowd and there is just one spot and i'm there and uh, he says something and i say i'll give you 10 dollars just give me the spot in that minute setting of 2 minutes it seems harmless but collectively as you see nothing is harmless everything is so harmful so the moment we start acting any form of reaction is starts so coming back all the way around to mind mind thing of course there is going to be a lot of exploitation the name of help it starts and i think it's a genuine interest in helping yet somehow if we do not do our own work with respect to our own subconscious i think we can get misguided that's really well put and i'm um i'm thank thanks for that like i it seems that it's this ripple in the pond like you throw the stone in and there's all these ripples and i i like to believe that the road to hell is paved with good intentions yeah you know when, when we start i think and i think that regardless of what is true enough that that's the better way to think about it is like i bet you there's people that started off with good intentions you know and that's probably how this happened it, it just leads you to a better spot i want to tell you a story and then i want to get your understanding i'm going to tell you a story and then ask you some questions about the story so it's it's a thought exercise and also maybe some comprehension in here <laughs> okay so There's this wise old man. It's like the wisest man in this country. And he is he has long disappeared and moved way out into the country and people only hear stories about him. And they sometimes they hear the stories like like all people that die, these these or all people that disappear, these stories 
evolve and they grow up around him. And this guy's story is that he has this magical demon that can do anything for him. And he's the richest man that has ever existed because he found this magical demon that serves him. And so <clears throat> these young boys growing up, they've heard this for, you know, story has been there for generations. And these young warrior type boys decide one day at the age of 16, we're going to go find this guy, get his demon. We'll become the richest people. And so they, they gather up all the stories from the elders and they leave their village and they hike way out three days, four days, five days. And they began losing hope when all of a sudden they see this strange, iridescent, invisible type of monstrosity out of the corner of their eye and they turn and they see something and they start, they begin following that direction. And as they do the path, the, the, you know, the, Warren path of bushes and dirt begin to give way to this golden brick and they follow the golden brick until they see this palace and all these jewels and they come upon this old man standing in the back of the palace fishing in his koi pond just you know and they're just like wow look at this ostentatious amount of wealth and the oldest boy comes up and he says are you the fabled guru who found a magic demon? And the guy says, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. I am that man, and I do have a magic demon. And the boys say, well, we're here to take it. You can be gone, old man. We're here for the demon, and we will take him over, and we will become the richest. And the old man says, thank goodness. So stoked someone's here. Thank you. And he goes, before I leave, let me give you some hints on how to deal with this demon. This demon will give you anything you've ever wanted in your life. But if you don't keep him challenged, this demon will kill you. Have a nice day. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be down at the pond when you, when you need to come and get me and give me back the demon. The boy's like, this guy's a retard. I'm not going to give you back your demon, man. Look how much wealth you have. Look at all this. And so the three boys get together and they go, okay. And so the, the, the man points him to where the demon is. And then he leaves. So the boys go into the palace and they see this demon. He's like the size of an ant. And they're like, hey, demon, we want a palace twice this size. And we want a bunch of cars to go with it and a big room of money. And they're like, yeah. And the demon's like, it's, it's, it is my command. And so the boys sitting around, they're high five. And they're like, yeah, we did it, man. And before they can even get out of third sentence, the demon comes back and he says, it's done. And they're like, what? The demon says, it's done. And he's kind of getting a little angry. It's done. I told you it's done. So the boys go over there and they see this palace. It's bigger than they've ever thought. Room full of money. They're like, oh, okay. He's like, now what is your desire? And so the boys say, well, we want, um, we want a bunch of helicopters. And we want an entire set of arms and a giant military. And we want that to be put on the other side of this palace and we want four more palaces the boys are like yeah before they can even understand before they can even congratulate themselves and walk to the palace the demon comes back and he's like i'm done now what and they, the boys begin to notice that every time they ask for something it happens almost instantaneously but when the longer they take the more upset the demon gets and he grows bigger and bigger and bigger and within a matter of hours the demon is like 50 feet tall and he's looking at them like, what now? Now what should I do? You know, and he's like, I'm going to kill you unless you tell me what to do. And the boys are like, ah, you know, because they realize that this 
idea of their imagination of what they wanted was so petty. They don't understand what power. They don't understand. And so one of the boys runs down and he grabs the old man from the ocean. We're in trouble. And the old man comes running back and he pulls a hair from his head and he gives it to the demon. And he says, I want you to split this into a million parts. And the demon begins to shrink smaller and smaller and smaller because he's just splitting hairs. So the moral of that story is like, are we, like there's people who sit at the height of power. There's people that actually run countries. There's people that run government organizations or non-government organizations. There's people that are in control of the money supply. Whether you want to believe it's conspiracy or not, these are facts. People sit, there's heads of governments. There's heads of giant corporations that are responsible for millions of people. And so isn't it okay to exploit people? If you're one of these people, don't you have to look at it like, well, some of these dummies are going to die. And yep, these drugs are probably not good for people, but they make people much more productive. And, you know, when you start beginning to understand it at that level, you start to begin to understand the medical stories that we have. Like eight, like depression medicine is not made, like it's not made to cure depression. You know, people think that it is, but it's made to make you more productive. All these drugs that we have in the world, they're not there for the cure you think. They're there for the cure to make you productive. They're there to make you effective. They're there for the system. And the people at the very top probably have good intentions. Some of them, some of them are probably psychopaths. But like that is what is happening on a grand scale when you can look at all the data. And you know, it's unfortunate that you probably have to see people as numbers. But like that is this idea of real exploitation is the fact that there are old men that see humankind collectively as a demon and will raise up and murder you unless you exploit it. Do you think if you were the person at the top, Ranga, that you would be able to exploit people the way people are being exploited now? You asked this question a little too late for this lifetime. So I have to die and <laughs> reborn with a completely different mindset because I, I do not think I, I have I want anything to do of those sorts. So I cannot put myself to imagine what I would do there. I simply would not be there. That's that's what I can think of. But you're gonna amazing... be you're gonna be there one day. So just always remember this story. <laughs> no, I, I I will recede everything every single time. <laughs> you know, I, I know which drawers I hide my drugs that take me to giving up everything. <laughs> You know, that's what when you said psychedelics can help uh, people make productive, I mean, can increase productivity, doesn't necessarily be true because um, I'm a very unproductive person. I do not want to produce anymore. I want to stay as still as I can. So it won't lead to productivity. It can put you in a state of joy, but who is it going to benefit if it's, you know, not contributing to anything overall, right? So leaving that alone, coming back to that story, that story was amazing. <laughs> it was nice. Uh, yes, I, towards the end, I was able to see where you were going with it, but it's, it's quite good. And one important statement that you said uh, was these kids didn't understand what they were asking for. They were chasing this with a petty mindset, right? And I think collectively we have that right now because um, most of us are, at least at this point, what I'm trying is that the millionaire status, like how to become a millionaire or how to have this passive income, how to, how to, how to, we, we are working on somebody's assumption, right? 
you know i this quote is um, very nice with from carl jung yeah. he says if your uh, if the path is clear before you you're probably on someone else's path right and it's <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah i like it and it's it's quite true because um if i look back and if i ask myself i didn't know what i wanted in life and i talk with people and sometimes maybe it's my limited perception but i get the feeling that they also don't know what they want they truly at their deeper level they do not know what they want because when you go to the lowest most socio economic status as we were talking before right you can see a genuine sense of happiness that's mi- missing out in the middle right. class and the <clears throat> as it goes stop because Agreed. now it has become so much of conceptual game sometimes when you strip away everything sometimes you'll be happy we just simply do not accept that fact because if you're trying to make your ends meet for the end of the day right like you get that bread for the end of the day and that's it that that seems god to you but right now so much things right like all i see in my life is how much do i take for granted because it's coming so easily right so easily into my life right so that's one of the point to make it where can i make this uncomfortable right right mm-hmm. it's boring when it's convenient like mm-hmm. what what can i what can i do right and uh, in that sense uh coming coming to your question about uh the people in hierarchy power right uh we we all have these ideas within us right now all these demons and angels within us and uh at, as they go into this societal political game it is just they are making themselves polarized they do mm. not want to because once you say a particular statement and you see that it's gaining traction with a set of people and you want to grow that number of people right and you do not want to say something contradicting to it that's why there is a lot of frustration <laughs> that goes into it right. right like if you truly do not care what people think but that's also something they can't do because that's how it is made like you have to be serious you have to you know i i i don't know what's going on that's that's why i said i'm i'm nowhere good to do that sort of thing because uh, as i say when we are at at a particular state if i if you wake me up at 2 am and you ask me i'll talk about rubbish about consciousness as i said right i'll talk to you about rubbish and and that's what i want to be and whatever books i read all self help books or spiritual books one of the best things they talk about is i do not prepare i empty my mind before going into something mm. so that i can receive and respond right it goes back to i'm sorry just once again yeah no problem man once there's again. no problem there's no problem Sorry. There's no problem, man. I I don't mind at all. I don't let little things bother me. <laughs> Once we start working on assumption, I think it will be it'll it'll be much more uh, helpful, right? Once we once we agree, we don't know what we want. And it's mm. very hard because we right. Mostly we are convinced we know what we want and most of the times when we don't know what we want it's a seem as a low self esteem low self confidence low drive towards some things those are termed as um, you know low motivation to do stuff 
I would love it if I have zero motivation to do something, which means I'm harmonious with whatever happening. That's how I see yeah. it. But I don't <laughs> see it like that once upon a time, right? So again, that change has a lot to do with suffering, having these discussions out there, just being able to giving people a little bit more room to play with their ideas, right? It's not one thing. So I I sometimes want to take an extreme stand, polarized opinion on certain aspects, right? That like I would say. if you if you are thinking about get if you already have you know six digit yearly income and you are thinking about you know millionaire status there is some some problem going on with you there is something wrong with you i i just assume that it's 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 for my own sanity <laughs> as well as like get get to look onto yourself because when you take the whole of the population and if you see the average income or how people are living it's i i would say my my life is so comfortable up there and all the people that we see on social media complaining right the just keep having the privilege to get on social media to post makes the post invalid that's how it is so <laughs> and i know it is a polarized opinion but right now we i what i see is trying to bringing the balance like to the center of like maybe money shouldn't be a priority maybe we shouldn't have the idea that having that particular set of money so let's say retirement package or something or whatever you want to call right shouldn't be a bother because we we do have a lot of lot and lots of institution lots of places like in india there are a lot of temples that provide food right like we mm-hmm. we think we live a particular kind of life that i need to be in an old age home no you can go to streets you can live in streets you didn't know that because people don't talk about that you can live in street i can live in street my retirement plan is living in streets it's fine whatever you i i get i eat i don't i don't i don't want to use medical usage after point because i don't care whatever time i live but we 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 driving we we, do, we have not come to that point of asking question how much do we want to live because we have not asked the question why we are living we are assuming that we are living for this and therefore we need to live longer to get this done right and this is one of the topics i think uh, benjamin and i were talking last weekend in his podcast of uh, is there a purpose right and uh, sometimes having not having purpose at least in my head that's how it works not having purpose brings so much magic to the present moment because the moment there is purpose you're focused i'm going to drink mm-hmm. coffee there is a lot of focus going to this particular mm-hmm. cup that i'm grabbing and taking but I, what if i do not have that right so now it's free the mind is free to do this but in order to get there i feel like there is a lot of work that needs to be done because lots of subconscious is doing automatic work right the same 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 way your digestion and so on is happening your brain is also automatically <laughs> doing a lot of things we are we are so such tiny little things in in a different dimension altogether right yeah but yeah i think after since i went and took my dog out i might have jumped a lot of topics but it's perfect it's- man not at all it's perfect it, it, this reminds me of you know the when you when we talk about purpose and we think about that word it seems to me i'll put another word in there too like judgment like these things they're so affected by the un uninterrupted presence of the visible. You know what I mean by that? Like wherever you look, there's a billboard, there's a sound, there's there's a beeping, there is a 
pretty girl on a magazine. There's a really thin person on a magazine. There's a person with blue hair that hates these people. You know, there's all this. It's like an uninterrupted presence of the visible. It's always there. You know, unless you have some quiet contemplation and meditation or you have a place where you go where you just see the landscape from your walk to your house to your work, there's this there's this incredible presence of the visible. And I would argue it's almost pornographic because it's always there. The same way that when we hear music, it's not the music we hear, but it's the silence between the sounds that make it harmonious. So too is the the invisibility in the visible. But if you don't have that invisibility, you don't have music. You just have a you don't have dum 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 dum. You don't have that because you don't have the break in between. And so we just have this incredible this wave coming at you of the visible. And it's very difficult to think your own thoughts. It's very difficult for you to have these moments where you can relish in the non-purpose or the unpurposeful moment when there's all this purpose being fire-hosed at you. You know, so and I, I think that that might also be this idea where we become corrupted is like we we just want to break, we just want to stop that for a minute. Like, and it, it's it's nice that that's where you get this idea of the retreat. And in some ways, like it, maybe what we're seeing is the institutionalization of the instrument. You know what I mean by that? Like Money is an instrument to make your life better, but when money becomes an institution, you begin to get the corruption. Anytime the instrument, when the knife becomes dull and people rally around about making the knife, you start having these questions of, well, what are we doing here? What is, you know, like it just, it becomes corrupted. And so maybe that's what we're seeing when we see this idea of purpose or when we see these idea of people going into government or becoming leaders they're walking down someone else's path that has already been paved. So these people walking that path have already been pre-selected for not going their own way. These are people that love to follow the past or people that love to, Hey, I'm going to take this path that ends up at this cool label. Doesn't that sound fun? Yeah. You could be this thing up here. Look at this label. Isn't that cool? This label comes with like a big paycheck. And, and in doing so you are becoming, you are failing to become the person you're supposed to be by becoming the idea of someone else. What do you think? I hundred percent agree with that, right? It's the it's the chasing the label thing. I think yes. it, took, it took me two years to understand. Hard. I kept saying potus, potus, potus. I didn't know what potus was. Some some form of lotus. And then finally, <laughs> I was seeing, you know, president of the United. States. Oh, that's <laughs> what potus means. And you know, all, all these things, right? Um, in India, too, we have these strong label, and more than that, we have just titles per se mm. for example uh, even calling relatives right uh, there has to be uncle and aunt and all these sorts of things and it is not in a very um, fun way it's more, more of a serious way where mm. you know there is no other way to call them you know what i mean it's very like formal you, yeah very, very formal as well as uh, it it creates this idea that i am this i am this rather than you know our name our, we can have so much identity going around our name as well, yet the name can also be not as much as a title. Uh, are you seeing the point? Like, can, I think so. Please try, try to try to break that down a little bit more for me, though. A generic title that has been established, like a <clears throat> office position or a 
yeah like official position of our stuff right it has a lot of storylines going with it lot right. of expectations lot of the, the path is completely clear of what you need to be heading to where you're going to sit what roles you're going to fulfill right there is no detracting you lose your individuality in doing so the same way we are ta- that is societal roles i'm talking about even just um roles within the family and stuff uh, when we have this uncle or grandmom or they when we call them that way they assume that oh now i am that so i have mm. this role to fulfill and if i am become this now i am wise so i have to impart wisdom because the kid doesn't know anything and these are happening but we can be associated with the name as well but if we start using names per se it's not as constricting as the societal label that has been pre established <clears throat> there can be certain associations with the name like for example uh i can call someone by their name and they're like oh this name this is me that mm-hmm. is I, i that me is still better than oh i am this uh, person in this position with this particular established label right at least name becomes this established label for a lifetime which can be a gateway to working towards the individuality and finding the self i i i think i have i realized i couldn't participate in the societal things being able to create change or anything because it requires a lot of um, letting go of this freedom of mm-hmm. um, expression i would say mm-hmm. yeah for for me right now life is about it's yeah. just this one being that's expressing itself in multiple forms so i want to express myself this way and that's it that's all i i tend to do right and it took me time to get here but the for initial parts of the journey when i think about uh, how do i contribute to society right and it's like would i be able to contribute without getting into the system because the moment i feel like at this perception at that point that getting into the system is going to corrupt me it's they say right people are not bad the seeds of power the, when you get there you will automatically turn evil there is no way you can yeah. control yourself to uh, and and i've had that i think i've yeah. tried uh, trading and um, you know i i talk about not being greedy not trying to do and when i was trading i was greedy and i was thinking where is this coming from yeah i i i didn't know but where is this so it has nothing to do with me it's my interaction with this particular system that can be yes you can control your emotions and make it profitable but i realized it's not for me because i was not able to control my uh, whatever right decision making skills at that right. point right I, i have lost quite some money in that and it was yeah. nice it was a very good experience very liberating it was very um ah man i wish i didn't do that you know a yeah. lot of those moments yet i realized when i was the same thing in paper trading right when actual money is not involved i made lot more money i was <laughs> because yeah. there was the sense of not being you know affected and attached by it right so having that particular idea in mind that this particular position is going to help this particular way and so on it corrupts us yeah we just we just simply cannot know what tomorrow has to offer what the next one hour is to offer it's the assumption that we kind of think we know is troublesome yeah you find yourself in these positions you know whether it's greed or whether it is selfishness or you know whatever it is that you know is not you but then you have this weird way of getting rewarded for it and so you have to figure out in your mind like wow 
I know this is wrong, but I get rewarded for it. So then you come up with these tricky ideas of like, well, maybe it's not wrong. Why would I get rewarded if it's not wrong? In fact, maybe more people should be like this. And then next, then you're off to the races. You know, I, I often, the more that I think about it, like, I think we share a similar set of experiences where we began walking down this gilded road with a nice golden cage. And then like you get closer and you're like, dude, I don't want to go in there. And as you walk down that road, you have like this guy that's like, look, you can tell these people what to do. And like, you're helping them. But in my mind, I'm like, no, I'm not. I do. Who am I to tell these people what to do? Like they should make up their own mind. People are like, well, maybe they don't know. Well, yeah, it's still not my point to tell them i mean i'm their friend i'll talk to them all day long and, and tell them what i think but the, the moment you begin thinking you're better than other people is the moment you should stop and question yourself about what am i doing and it makes sense that people that like let, like let's just go with our idea that the road to hell is paved with good intentions and let's look at some of the people that <clears throat> start finding their way to the halls of power you know as you climb up this ladder be it a corporate one or one up against the wrong wall or whatever, you know, you, you, it seems to me, according to my experiences that you begin seeing the corruption and you begin making little sacrifices that make it okay. You begin just with little concessions like, well, I don't really have time for that. So it's okay. And, but by the time you end up with a title like CEO, or you end up with a title like CFO or any sort of these grand titles that we give all these accolades to for some weird reason, you know, you, you begin to understand that the more you have, the more those things own you. And so you're in this cage. And so it becomes much easier to look at the people below you and be like, well, why aren't you in this cage? Why do you guys have freedom? And I'm the one that's supposed to have everything. The same way that people on the bottom look at the person up top with all the money the person on the top looks at the people on the bottom with all the freedom. Like, look at you guys. You know, it's like they're just pointing fingers at each other. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to think about, right? And it, it all comes to the cliche dialogue, uh, right? I, I, of grass is greener on the other side. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. So the initial time after cycle. So I used to hate cliches. I don't know why. I used to hate them. I, was, I think I was being rebellious by eating cliches. And then I had my first LSD trip and I was like, Oh, wait, cliches are cliches because they are being said and they are the same point of view that have been arrived from different journeys. Nice, right? And, right. and it's, it's mind-blowing. It's like, oh, I wasn't being rebellious. I was being a stupid idiot, right? And <laughs> I've had this numerous amount of times and small, small examples. Like um, I my hair was curly and I my I had a roommate who, whose hair was straight, right? And uh, she, she used to curl it. I didn't know there was a thing called curling. I thought... <laughs> the curled hair, there was a thing called straightening because I think straightening was the way, right? Like foolish ideas that was there in my mind. And um, I saw her curling and I was asking why. Um, and she was like, no, I'm I'm bored of my straight hair and it's nice to curl and it's kind of the trend and so on, right? And I was like, but I have had this curlier for so long. I'm going to straighten it now, you know? So we exchange our things and I got the straightening. <laughs> right? And... Uh, at that time, there was no understanding because if there was understanding, I would have dropped that thing and I would have just walked out. But I did end up straightening, right? And But looking back at it, and there is always this thing, grass is greener on the other side. So how do we reorient ourselves to appreciating what is that we have got? 
and again, I I know we were um, talking about the assumptions on which we live, right? Like to dismantle that assumptions will lead us to where we are right now. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> I, because I think that's what I've been doing the last two weeks since my five grams, right? And uh, it's like, ah, oh, this is why this assumption is what I've been living on. That's where uh, my problems generated, and now I I think. Uh, I had this intuitive feeling to read uh, "Grist for the Mill" by Ramdas. Uh, okay. Do you know about that? I've heard that, but I've never read it. It's a it's a great book. I keep seeing the quotes on the Ramdas page on Facebook, and for some reason, I have be here now and becoming nobody. And yet, most of the quotes that right now my frequency is attuned to comes from this book. So I was like, "Yep, I'm gonna read this." And you know, I was uh, taking that and reading. And one of the major things is suffering is grace, right? When mm. you get to that dimension within yourself. Uh, you know forget dimensions and stuff where you get to sit and meditate and you're aware in a different way than normal sense pleasures right as yeah. you said that uh, particular note that is being pressed that's, that's <laughs> not the fun part you that right. having that space right creating that space happens in meditation and when you're in that awareness where yeah you're you're not truly wanting to sit yet and you see there is something that's happening that is beyond your current understanding of how it is and therefore in that point of view you see the next time i have a suffering it's because i have a particular model that this is how the world should work mm. and that's what i called assumption this is a i assume this is how it should be right when i see um, you know let's say big murder cases or gunshot and uh, i just assume it shouldn't be like that because if i'm getting agitated by that i just assume that maybe it sh- life should be better people should be kind other people shouldn't hurt other people even though it this is something that we might want to have it out there it's still a model that might i might be incorporating in my life right as you said um thing i wanted to add this the last time you said it's just my opinion it's not a fact there is literally no fact in this world you know one of the things they kind of uh, teachers uh, sun let's say for an example the fact that sun rises in the east no it's it's not a fact you go to another planet which is on the opposite side of the you know whatever <laughs> solar system and uh, for it sun rises in the west and uh, now you say you say a particular uh, thing like an apple will fall on the ground right or uh, light speed of light is the fastest again you go to another galaxy where the laws of physics is different and the being exist for whom the truth is different right so there is absolutely right. zero facts and once we get to that part at least intellectually i think it first thing we do is intellectually understand something before we experientially integrate right. into our life and intellectually at least if we have that you know obviously and from there on it's going to be like you're not going somewhere you're not going towards a goal yet i i see it happening this way life becomes a uh, a work a work in a sense that it's not serious it's not like you have to complete it you're you're going to get any mm. reward that experience right. is the reward because i i see right now if you're not in that experience and you're getting going somewhere you're truly not getting any reward because the reward for us as awareness being in this body is it's just the experience it could be anything and in yeah. in in that sense we can tie it back to how antidepressants are you know working in human bodies the, the term numb that is being used right if it's numbing 
what is it numbing of numbing of the experiencer so the body is alive a dead dead thing is alive it's there we, the perception from the outside world can see that oh the antidepressant worked to some extent because the person hasn't killed themselves right or uh, the person is not completely locked inside the room like we get to see that the person comes out and do these sort of things so i am going to be the judge of that that the antidepressants have worked to a little extent at least and for now this is the best tool that we have and would big pharma not exploit psychedelics of course not i heard from my friend and i was seeing they are developing almost 700 compounds of uh, you know all these psychedelics which where they are removing the essential part of hallucinogen because people don't want to trip they just want the medicinal benefit uh, it's it's really mm-hmm. funny because uh, this um in this podcast of mm-hmm. duncan trussell mm-hmm. with Dennis i love duncan Pena. yeah i i got to know him through the midnight gospel on netflix right and uh, they were talking about how this whole reality is just an hallucination happening in our uh, brain right the there is a speed of light and you're you're interacting with another person and uh, you're always interacting with the past like the moment you speak i'm not hearing it even though it seems instantaneous it's not there is there is a time decay in that and there is so in that sense we are taking that information a little slower yet we are not able to comprehend that time gap but we are recreating it in our head so that is an hallucination so you want to design these compounds that's going to take away the hallucination and give the medicinal ingredient like how do we know that we are we're still working on like chemical compounds you know there was a paper that was released 3 months back that uh serotonin might not be the one that causes depression and people are like oh wow right. we, we we were thinking and yeah it doesn't have to be right it doesn't have to be we uh, these are assumption models like one of the reasons i would never do anything in my life because i will never get to a part where i can have a model to work with people because the moment i have model i am in a prison of myself <laughs> right i think uh, another thing with respect to ceos we were talking i was talking with my friends uh now i have 500 to 600 connections on linkedin and i have at least 200 people who are ceo and i was like wow nice because all these people are ceo of one person company we don't need the title yeah, but we're so fond of it like we want to call ourselves founder <laughs> ceo cfo you know there was this another person i'm open for positions like ceo cfo why why are we open to this particular role because these after a particular point we understand the roles and the work has nothing to do with each other you see you know in the current mainstream education people are studying one thing and their values are being used in something else there's no mm-hmm. relevance i i don't see i i was a, <laughs> i studied engineering i did welding right now i'm in an extrusion aluminum thing and i talk about uh, how fucked up i am with my psychology and stuff so none of this are actually related to each other in one essence yet when we put the title as you said right the whatever title you want it's prisoning and i'm happy yeah. we share that view because uh, that is freeing you remind me how it can be prisoning because sometimes where there is a lack of confidence you know you get fooled into thinking maybe maybe there is something that i'm missing out right yeah as, that's that's a point again to have a introspective moment as you said when you want to help other people right i i had that for one year two years i i wanted to help people i wanted to help my parents not have fights i wanted to give them psychedelics i wanted to see you you can see a better view 
you know i assume that right now i have an assumption that people are suffering not the, with the idea that i should change them i still have that in my head that there is a lot of suffering that self inflicted mental suffering that doesn't need to be but people go through it but i am not the one to change it because this is how it is going to be right uh, yet for two years i i had a lot of like i can change this right and that is that spiritual ego of like i am a little bit better than you in this aspect yeah right and that requires that look and for me honestly a 10 day meditation is what turned me inward to that because other times i was still playing this intellectual game and going on i still play a lot of intellectual games and i come back in circles to the point of being present but it doesn't happen when i'm interacting and exchanging all these conversations with the world it it happens exactly when i'm silent and seeing what is the time trying to do and when you see it's like uh, there was the saying in zen i saw uh people want to move mountains and oceans right and when they realize they were the ones who placed it there in the first place <laughs> you just don't have the faith to move it and and it took me a lot of time to understand that ah i see right and uh, that moment was nice and yeah now when i forget those are the moments that you know help me and when when i talk with you when you talk about that prisoning idea because one of the major parts is we we let ourselves prison Mhm. Osho is a very uh, nice person who ignites that flame of rebelliousness inside you. I think I saw this uh, post last week and it was nice, you know. It didn't ups- uh, be uh, taken positively in a mainstream society that we have created because he says let go of everything, not not the way like let go of suffering or anything. Like let, live in insecurity. Don't be secure. tomorrow you might not get food live like that that's where the true freedom lies right but it's very difficult to co- convey this part of conversation to people because one of the things that uh, happens is that they feel we feel threatened i don't want to say they we feel threatened as if we are losing something yet we also understand on some level at least me through practice that it's not an easy change i cannot even if i want to like let go of anything my conditioning is so deep i am working one step at a time and it's going to take months and months and years and years and so on right to work at the deeper level so consciously saying something like look forward to insecurity seems like just the first step and we are very scared to take even the first step we want to be secure right yeah yeah it's maslow's hierarchy of needs right like you want to have food shelter you know love and then you start getting up into these different ideas it's very difficult to live insecure we're taught our whole life to reach out for security we're taught that this is the one thing you need in order to be safe or your or like you say you're going to die if you don't have security and so when we get people telling us that you should live insecure it goes against our entire conditioning from from day 1 you know it's 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 fascinating to think about i So that's why I wonder sometimes if these it's sometimes only through the deepest tragedies that you really create existing change in your life. And maybe it's because we're so focused on security. Maybe it's because we're so tunnel vision that we just fight everything until a tragedy comes along and forces you to change. And and that's where the real 
I think that gets us back to this idea of where suffering is bliss in some ways. It's like not the actual suffering, but what comes from suffering is that which creates lasting change in your life. And that's why you should not only accept it, but you don't have to love it, but can I stop you and ask you one yeah, question please. there? I want you to continue the conversation. I yeah. want to ask not the actual suffering, but why that suffering comes, right? So what do we think an actual suffering is? So how would you define an actual suffering? What is suffering, I would say? Like, uh, I would ask you, what is suffering to you? Losing something you love. Is that the only thing? No, but that's just one definition. One, you, want one. Another, you, want, you want another one? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, I think that's my best one. Can we go with that one? Yes. <laughs> when I... No, I feel like that's my meditation practice because when I ask myself to define suffering, I'm out of words. I cannot explain suffering because when I keep searching, 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 there is no <laughs> suffering that is there. And, and, and you know, when oh, you're yeah. not looking for it, the suffering seems deep. Because even when you say losing the loved one, right? Intellectually, you're, you're going to know. You're going to lose someone that you're going to love. If you have a, you have cats. And I do. Let's say, let's say you live, um, you know, for the next 15 years, there is a very high chance that the cats are going to die before you. So you're going to lose your loved one. And intellectually, you know, I know. Right. Right. So in that sense, can we avoid that suffering? If that was, that was the actual point of suffering, can we avoid it? You can't avoid it, but you also can't thoroughly understand the that which is ripped away from you when it happens. It's one thing to say, I know this is going to happen, but it's another thing when it happens. And maybe that maybe that is suffering. Maybe the suffering is trying to understand the difference between what you thought and what is real. Yes. And... <laughs> I think I, I don't go so much with stats, but I, I like the stats to play uh, in my head, right? And uh, they say 97% um, of the times that people think uh, what's going to happen, it doesn't happen. That right. way. And then I think we, we talked about it. 3% it happens. And out of that 0.1%, it happens drastically worse than how they thought it, right? And when we, when we think those thoughts, so is suffering actually happening in the present moment or the building up of the present moment. You know, um, my friend taught me this word, precipice of uh, change or something. Is it mm. happening just, just before, right? And that just before seems to be our whole life towards death. <laughs> Maybe there is no actual suffering in that. Or I, I, I try to uh, get around that path where I, I, I agree with you because I wouldn't know how I would be able to handle uh, a couple of my dogs death and uh, yeah hopefully my partner if she dies before me did i say hopefully oh sorry sorry <laughs> <Uja>. <laughs> <Don't>. <laughs> and you know my my parents death and all these sort of things intellectually there is a thing but when i come to the experience is it going to be uh, is it going to be the same what is going to happen those are all there and yet there is also this understanding of that part like Okay, why not, you know, think about it then, right? 
so and there again there is a question layer by layer i'm going to bore you now is that is this question coming out of uh, suppressing this or is it like present moment awareness am i being present by avoiding this questions or is there any way to process and, and it's like right now i do not have the ingredients so i cannot make the solution so once the ingredients comes by when the ripping apart happens maybe then i can think about it right <laughs> it's a good point yeah i'm sorry i detracted a lot from what you were going to say you were saying that uh, people uh, you were saying something about uh, actual suffering and then what comes as suffering right like what what builds up to the point of suffering so can yeah. you continue if you really i mean if you still have that in your head the thought why well, i i think we segue nice i think that it was just this we were getting into suffering and i think we moved in a way that we were supposed to move which leads me to this next thought which is you know previously in the conversation we had talked about how you know you were an engineer but also you've been moving into psychiatry and you've been moving into understanding meditation and, and like all these different things and in the world we live in like so often we're taught that hey you're not being focused like you should you should start here and then you should go to this get this degree and then get this one and then like you see you take these focused steps but i think that that is a like that same model is is something that is trying to be forced upon people to think a certain way which kind of gets us all the way back to the exploitation of mind people are saying like this is the way to think but the truth is have you, okay let me let me back step forward have you ever been like thinking about something maybe you're studying something and then some weird thought pops into your mind like You know, I'm thinking about going to work and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about driving my car really fast. You know, and then all of a sudden I'm thinking about okay, I got to do this podcast. I'm like, "Wait a minute, I'm supposed to be thinking about work." Right? So most people see that as unfocused, but I would I would say that the next thought is the right thought. You may not understand why you're thinking what of this thing you think is random. but it has a lot to do with the previous thought you just got to integrate that and i think if people took time to understand that they would be like oh i was thinking about work and then i thought about driving my car fast because if i drive too fast at work i might get in an accident or you know then i see about my podcast because this would be a great thing to talk about in my podcast is driving fast at my work you know what i mean I, i don't think people thoroughly understand when they say they're unfocused like they, that's not it like your brain is incredible and it's it's showing you all the answers you need if you pay attention as the observer instead of the person who thinks they're trying to drive it so it's not a random unfocused thought you're having it's the next thought in the succession of getting to where you need to go i think that could change the way we live in this world if people would adopt that what say you <laughs> sometimes i get trapped in my own set of words and again when you say randomness right uh, I, it it comes with this narrow viewpoint let's use the word assumption that we have got that we got to stay this way right. so everything that doesn't happen is random of course it's going to be random but widen your horizons and as much as you can intellectually practically and you know keep on working on just trying to expand that and you see nothing is random what right. is random is just you have not included in your understanding in, in your intellectual perception right 
it's it's like this we we are in essence light right and light kind of travels in all direction and we are trying to put that narrow slit to focus this and you know we we want to get this laser out of it we want focus we want focus mm-hmm. yet how again the question comes to how do you know you have to go there right only when you go and you don't find what you are finding you will you'll get again this 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 includes to the part about suffering mm. and what you put beautifully put as thoughts that seem random or random when one is trying really hard to push against that's yeah. a form of suppression when you try to fight your thoughts they they are here they are your friends they're here to tell you something i think the same with pain or any any kind of messages the body is trying to communicate to you they come in this form of emotions or pain or signals right sensations and so on yet we we are so determined right we are mm-hmm. we are so determined to get there and this there is that in a, in a thought world you know where there is so much freedom actually to play with those all of things you know when you said uh, before that story that uh, this is a little thought experiment i think um, the whole life for me is a thought experiment if yeah. i want to desire something i just think it out and it's like it's nice it's cool to have those but yeah i i got no motivation to do those things you know and it turns out to be to a beautiful thought experiment and i have my fun and i get out of it right like yeah <laughs> and in that sense um when we see yes we 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 seem to be focused because we know where we are going and when we know that whatever is not within our view seems troublesome so i'm going to put it away for now put this away for now and it's 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 as simple you know energy is neither created nor destroyed so you're not destroying it it's just there it's going to lie all these energy that is as thoughts it's getting suppressed so it's beautiful i don't think i understood what you meant last time uh, when you said uh, we should invite our thought sit with it and so on i mean there yeah. is a perception that i have which is, which goes against that in the sense that thoughts are some endless okay so if you are going to sit with your thought how many thoughts you are going to sit with and this is a discussion that my partner and i were having and it's true there is a view to that there is also another view that i don't want thoughts right like oh the people said uh, enlightened being is without thoughts and i'm just going to not have thoughts like i don't know how how, how to do that I, i'm just not going to have thoughts it doesn't work like that right. there has to there has to be a practice there is it's a cause and effect so once we understand that we we have to try to find a way to yes integrate it and you know pay attention to it not suppress it again mm-hmm. this is th- these these i i would totally understand all these topics can be so gibberish because it's a, it's a mental game where it is up to the individual whatever they that there lies the true freedom it's not the external world where what type of job they do or anything it's these seems uh very uh, as as you said about the story where the kids went with the cheap mindset right or petty mindset it's like that what jobs we do what exploitation doesn't matter because there is a whole lot of uh, thing that is going within us that we could see simply as like it's fine i compromised my time because the rest of the time i can get to sit right i get to sit and i see and it's it's tremendous sometimes it's very scary <laughs> right? uh, yes Yes so that's what i was uh, thinking about
Yeah, it's awesome. I, I, I really enjoy getting time to be alone with my thoughts. But it, for me, it's kind of dangerous because I, I could do it all day, and I could just live. And sometimes I think, like much like you, where I could have this daydream and actually I can actually play out a whole fantasy. And then I'm like, that was nice. Now I don't have to do it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I lived that. That was fantastic. I don't have to do it now. You know, it's kind of, ah, that was fun. I could, I could see that. But exactly. you know what? I, and this, does this not come from, uh, I, I am sure this comes a little bit from your psychedelic trips where, you know, where there is understanding that we are just nothing but thoughts in Brahma's head, right? In that way, if, if that, <laughs> you know, I, I see it this way. I was just existing. You know, I, I mean, I was just peaceful in my non-existence. Yeah. Why do you have to think about me and bring me into existence? So I'm yeah. really mad at you, Brahma, for whatever <laughs> that you are doing. Either you became me or you are just doing this. It's not fun. <laughs> Trust me, it's not. It's not. I think about as... that all the time, man. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Ranga, yeah. I, I love talking to you, man. Yeah. I, I gotta I have to get up and go join this other thought thing that I do called working and driving this truck over. I have to go live this other part of my life. But I really, really enjoy this. And I it it adds tremendous value to my day and my life. And you're an amazing person, and I'm super stoked we're having these conversations. And I look forward to the next one. I, I really wanted to get in, I wanted to go deep on that trip that you had, but we time flies by too fast, man. Next time. Yeah, we'll do it. Yes. Okay. Thank you for everything, Ranga. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, George. Okay. Bye. All right. Aloha.
Aloha, everyone. Thanks for taking a moment to hang out with me in the True Life Podcast. I truly appreciate it. If you're taking some time to listen to this, whether it's your first podcast with me or you've been with me the whole way, I truly want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Additionally, I would like to try to inspire everyone. The world is a crazy place. And if you listen to your heart and you take some chances, I really think the world will unfold in front of you in ways you can't imagine. I've been doing the podcast for about five years. Last year, I decided to take the plunge. Well, circumstances dictated that I took the plunge. And I did. I've begun working on the podcast full-time for almost a year now. And it's been so rewarding to me that I just want to try and inspire other people. If you have a dream, if you have a vision, follow the voice in your heart. Listen to the song on the wind and embrace the challenge. I think you're strong enough, you're smart enough, and you're good enough to make your dreams come true. But you have to believe in them. And I truly believe wholeheartedly that if you take a chance, a real chance on what is possible, then your dreams will unfold in front of you. Uncertainty can be a monster. It can be something that we run away from. But much like fear, if you stand in front of it, it's not that big of a problem. I know everyone listening to this has a dream and a vision, and I hope you all conquer it. And I want you to know it's possible. Take baby steps and move towards it, and you will get closer to it. Your relationships will be better. Your life will be better. And you know what? You deserve it. You're an amazing person. If you get a moment, go down to the show notes. If you can, support the show. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get to it.